The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. This is a new experience. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. And um, I'm deeply humbled and grateful of a work that God is doing. I'm grateful for our pastor. Thank you for your trust. Thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your love. And um, a disclaimer, that's a sacred desk. The one that stands behind it is called. The one that preaches behind it is called. The one that preaches behind it is anointed. I'm called as a teacher. I am not a preacher. This is the first time I've ever done this. I've done a couple funerals when I tried to run from them, but God had something different in store. But he's clearly given me a word. When pastor texted me a couple months ago, said that you have an appointment on the 27th, and he had a picture of this platform with the pulpit. It took me several hours to respond. Um, overwhelmed. Again, grateful. He leadeth me. Travis has done a great job setting this all up of our shepherd, the shepherd. I think it's important for us to acknowledge those that have gone before us that are heroes. When this came about, there was a, some people that came to mind. Some of them are online watching from many states. One of them is Mr. Jack Pitt that has meant the world to me. He has set an, an unbelievable godly example. But there's a gentleman here that has known me from the time I was born. And I purposely wanted him here today because this is becoming full circle. And heroes today have a different look. But this hero has lived the life, has taught the word diligently. He um, graduated from Rollsburg High School in 1948. He ended up in uh, his first teaching job was here in Utica, Ohio in uh, 1955. He became the football coach. He took that football team to championships for the region. And that launched him into a career at Eastmore High School, where he ended up, after 27 years, being athletic director, also assistant coach, and also coached with, uh, with the baseball teams there and took them to city championships. He helped funnel through the uh, uh, well-known name here in Ohio, the Griffin Boys, that ended up at Ohio State University. 
Marsh Moberly is now 91 years old. Sir, thank you for coming. Thank you for the example you've always set. And I know you want to be known for your love of Jesus Christ. And that's always been the example in my life. We haven't gotten to worship, but over the last several years, many times, tumbling to have you here. Thank you. Um, young people, you are the church. You are not the church of the future. You are the church now. I want you to hear that throughout this entire thing, how we're on this journey that God leads us. Don't think you have to get to a certain age before you can be utilized by God. You are the church. Let him lead you. My life has been a journey. This is all a journey. We have to grow. We have to acknowledge that. And God has given us an unbelievable tool, his word. Um, I'm kind of teasing. We're going to go through this book today. And uh, Travis will understand at the end how we're going to go through this entire book. But I think it's very important that we're, the passage that God has laid out to us this morning, and believe me when I say he has done this with all clarity and what he's given me to say and to teach this morning. And if you want to turn to the book of John in the New Testament, and also put your finger in Genesis 1. Sometimes in order to move forward in our walk, we need to look backward and we need to understand why is it that he leadeth me? Why, why is it that we need to follow and understand he leadeth me? The 14th chapter of John is where we're going to be. The focal verse is going to be verse 6. The background of this setting is Jesus has been with his disciples. They have eaten, and he has washed their feet. He has been a servant to them. And he is now, he predicts Peter's denial. He's getting ready to do all that God has asked him to do, and he's getting ready to face his arrest. But he, he starts off in the 14th chapter, and he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me, and that you may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. I underlined that word way, by the way, and then, he, and then Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Again, I underlined that word way in my Bible. And then we get to our focal verse. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Jesus' words, not mine. 
I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one, no one means no one. No one comes to the Father except through him. Why is that so important? How does that make sense? Why, why is he the one that leadeth me? Well, before we go to Genesis 1, I like to give the setup for that. And that's found in the first chapter of the book of John. And it says in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was the life, and the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then in verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one, the only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Truth is a person in Jesus Christ. Well, why is that all so important? Why is it that you took us to the book of John and that everything was made before him? Well, if you go to Genesis and you look at chapter 1, I want to point out a few interesting things here that God has laid on my heart. And it's very interesting about the creation. I'm losing this. Verse 3. I've got it underlined. When God created... He spoke everything into creation. Verse 3 says, And God said, Let there be light. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be a vault between the stars and separate water from water. Verse 9, And God said, And then if you jump down, it says, And God saw that it was good. Verse 11, And God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing, then you jump down and it says, and God saw that it was good. Verse 14, and God said, speaking everything into creation, let the lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from night. And God saw that it was good later on in that verse. Verse 20, and God said, let the waters teem with every living creature when he created the fish. And God saw that it was good. Verse 24, and God said, let the land produce the trees, the vegetation, and all those things. And God saw that it was good. But here's where it changes. Why did we start with John 1? Because of this right here. Verse 26. Then God said, let us, circle the word us. Who's the us? Make mankind in our image in our likeness plural not just one verse john uh, the book of john verse one tells us how god created everything through his son everything was for him and everything was created through him we find that in verse 26 or in uh, the book of genesis how god then wanted to create us in his image and he's using the plural there to show that to us but it really gets interesting here too because everything that he's done he's spoken to being and then verse 27 said and so god created mankind in his own image 
In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Verse 31. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Chapter 2, verse 7. Then God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the bread of life, and man became a living being. Everything he spoke into being, except us, were the first thing he touched. He formed us. That's what the scripture tells us. He formed us out of the dust. And then he blew air into us, living life. You are individually and perfectly made just the way you are. And God did that. He touched you. Have you been touched by him? Do you understand that he leadeth me? Why does he lead me? Because he gave us his son. As we go through this and we look through different verses here in the Bible, I want you to see how God's plan always unfolds and what all he is doing with us. He's building a body unto himself. We were created for a reason, to have a purpose and a mission, and that was to give God glory and to give him praise. He chooses to do something with us that's uniquely made that we've been touched by him. Individually, each and every one of us have been touched by God. It's what we do with that. We have a choice. See, our world has a problem. The problem is an obedience problem. I'm a parent. I have boys. My boys don't automatically do what they're supposed to do. They have an obedience problem. They do not listen to me sometimes. But we have an obedience problem. If we truly understood he leadeth me, if we truly understood that, we would be obedient. Each of us has a call on his life. Folks, the overwhelming call on an individual's life is very, very powerful. I spent the last 23 years in Florida. God called me to this place and I hadn't even been in it, hadn't even seen it. But he called us here to serve. Our life is being unfolded around this ministry. One of the biggest blessings of my life. Am I glad we're doing it? Oh, there's not enough time to tell you how glad we're doing this. Because God's doing it. He orchestrates it. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. He orchestrates the steps of the man. The problem is we're looking at the very beginning here. We're looking at the creation. We're looking at the touch that God has placed on us. And what we do with it is we're flippant with it. You truly don't know who you are until who you are in Christ Jesus. I'll say that again. You truly don't know who you are until who you are in Christ Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Well, what does that mean? Your way is wrong. His way is right. I'm the truth. 
He brings us into all truth. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He tells us as his word continues to unfold. He gives us the Holy Spirit that will guide us into all truth. I am the life. We found out in John 1 that everything was created through him. Do you realize that time was created for us? That God doesn't exist in time. Time was created for us. You were created for eternity. God touched you for eternity. Can you wrap your head around that? I have a hard time. My my son Caleb, my middle son, uh, a, a few years back, he wanted to know, well, what are we going to be doing in heaven the whole time? Well, we're going to be praising and worshiping God. But I said, first of all, you've got to get rid of time. He goes, what do you mean time? And I said, there will be no time. Time was created for us now. God exists in timeless. It will be spirit. Can you wrap your head around that? Because I can't. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. He spells it out to us. I, I, I want us to understand the simplicity of this. We make the gospel hard. We make the walk with Jesus very difficult when it should not be. He gives us clarity in his word. Listen, I love working with you young people. My passion has always been with the college and career class ever since I was an adult. And I've shared with them over the years many, many things. And one of the the questions that always come to me is the word of God. They don't know where to start. They don't know how to open it and start. This room is packed full of all ages. We heard in there from Alistair Begg earlier that uh, he was addressing the senior adults. And I found it very funny that I was going to address the young people this morning. But this is for everyone that he leadeth me. He gives us the guidebook. And most homes still have them in their home. Some of them have them laying on a coffee table and they never pick it up and understand it. Or they don't even try to read it. That book of John where we started this morning is what I'm guiding you to start with if you are not a Bible reader. You need to become a Bible reader if you're going to grow in the love, the depth, the knowledge, and the insight of Jesus Christ. It's the only way you're going to grow as a believer. It's the only way you're going to get your life right. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Your way is wrong. I'm telling you straight up, his words, your way is wrong if you are not following him and letting him lead your life. Christian, if you're going to get it right, you have to die to self. You have to cast your thoughts, your dreams, your grandioso ideas apart and quit trying to form God in your image. He created you in his image. Let us make man in our image. He will give you clarity. He will give you direction. He will give you purpose. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Well, how does this play in? He, he talks in his word about the simplicity of the children. Bring the children unto me and let them in a childlike faith. As adults, what we try to do is we try to make it difficult. We try to uh, overthink it or we try to rationalize it out. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't, that doesn't work that way. What he's saying to you is in your childlike faith, let go and let me. I will lead you, I will guide you, I will direct you, I will give that to you. I will show you the way, I've given you the guidebook. Here it is. Deuteronomy chapter six, 
I've read this passage many times over the years, and it's one as I'm challenging the, the, the family men in this group right now that have children at home. It's our responsibility to do this for our children. Moses, God called Moses. Moses wanted to do like most of us did. He wanted to turn. He wanted to run. He didn't want to fulfill his mission that he was created for, that God had ordained him to do. God was leading him. He didn't want to be led. He argued with God in that fourth chapter. He goes through several verses of why he can't do what God's called him to do, to send him to bring the people out of captivity, that they've been in captivity. And Moses has a staff. And uh, God tells him, he says, what's in your hand? And he says, I want you to throw that down, Moses. And Moses was on holy ground. He had to take his shoes off. And he's at a burning bush. By the way, there's only been one burning bush. God doesn't need to duplicate himself. When God has an experience with you, it's unique to you. He doesn't have to duplicate it. With Moses, it was a, a, a very interesting experience. And he saw a bush that was burning, but one being consumed and God told him immediately to take off his shoes because he's on holy ground. And when you come into the presence of God, there's only a couple things you can do, and one of them is you need to get on your knees because you're in the presence of a holy God. And it's only fitting. And he tells us to be holy because I am holy. And he tells Moses, he says, yeah, I've created you, and I have a mission, and I have a purpose for you. That staff that is in your hand, lay it down. And he laid it down, and that staff became a snake. And he told him to pick it up, and it turned back into the staff. But Moses continued arguing with him. I don't speak well. You've got the wrong guy. You're sending me before the most powerful man on the planet. Send somebody else. God answers him back and says, fine. Since you are arguing with me, I will send you. Your brother Aaron is on his way. Your brother Aaron is going to do the communication for you. Because you've been disobedient to me and what I've asked you to do. I will be God to you, Moses. You're going to be God to Aaron. And everything I give you to say, Aaron is going to do the communication for you. It cost him because he argued with God. And he didn't step in the line. He was disobedient. And then God fulfilled his purpose. And it was a lengthy purpose. It wasn't a wham, bam, over, in a hurry thing. He went there, and it was a battle. And there were plagues to get the people out. Moses had his staff. And with the staff, they get backed up against the Red Sea. And God told him, he says, you hold that staff up, and I'll park the sea. The mighty God parted the sea up to, some scholars believe, up to two miles wide for that multitude of people to pass through on dry land. Hold your staff up, Moses. And the sea came back together and destroyed the Egyptian army. Why is that all so important? Because he gave the law. He gave the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments to Moses. And Moses is now presenting it to the people. And in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, he says, 
in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them around your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. We have an obedience problem, folks. And a lot of it is because as parents, we're not taking the time to sit with our children and we're not teaching them the things of God. We're not teaching them the word of God. Here's our guidebook. We have it. And everything is spelled out in complete detail how he leadeth me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus gives us everything spelled out in complete detail. And very rarely do we open it. Very rarely do we pour our hearts out over it or, 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 or pray over it. Children, young people, learn it. You're the ones under attack from our culture. The media, and everything is targeting you. You go in the grocery stores. This past month, they were celebrating a, a month that we, we don't have anything to do with, we do not celebrate. But everything in the stores were geared for your children. Folks, if you're not teaching it to them, the world's going to. They're not gonna understand the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me, if we're not doing it. This place, cannot do it a couple hours a week to deprogram your kids from everything that the world's given them. Understand? We gotta get it right. We gotta take it serious. The book of Psalms, in the 37th chapter, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will do this. Wow. Have you committed your life to the ways of the Lord? Have you surrendered to that? I'm the way, the truth and the life. He tells us, he guides us. Verse 23 says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. <laughs> it's amazing. We're not smart enough to make this up, folks. He is. He'll guide every step. It's an amazing thing. He will guide every single solitary step. Psalm again, 139, verse 13 says, you were created by in my innermost being, knit together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's not a coincidence, you're not a mistake, you're not an accident. You were touched first by God. You were formed, you were uniquely made for a specific plan and a specific purpose that he will spell out, he will lay out in complete detail. I guarantee it. Mark chapter eight. Then the crowd called to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must decide themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes to his Father's glory and holy angels. What's he saying? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's telling you how the way is, that I'm the truth. He's telling you, you you deny yourself. You pick up your cross daily. If you follow your personal desires and your personal wants, the Holy Spirit has no room to work in your life. There's many times I want to respond and I want to say things in and out of what I feel. Your feelings will get you into trouble every single time. Learn to shut up. I'm being serious. If I responded every time my feelings got hurt or whatever, I'm going to respond in an ugly manner. The only way you can ever have the Spirit of God work in your life is die to self. Take up your cross daily and let him work in and through your life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He leadeth me. Why, why is that so important? Why are we zeroing in on that verse so badly? Because, see, the interesting thing is, um, when Moses was uh, being in his uh, interaction with God, he asked God, he says, when I go to them, who am I going to say sent me? God said, you tell them I am. Why is that important? I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You go to Pharaoh and you tell him, I am. When Jesus and his teachings and the problems that he had with the religious leaders of the day and what was taking place was because he used the word, I am. Seven times in scriptures, he started off and he said, I am. The religious leaders of the day, the Jewish culture of the day, thought he was being sacrilege and that he was being blasphemous because he was saying he was equal or he was God, which he was. His words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. But the interesting thing is he also said, I am the bread of life. And that is in uh, uh, John chapter 6, 35. I'm the bread of life. In other words, we worry about what we eat and all these other things and all that, and he's sufficient for everything, of all your food. It's ongoing. He also said, I am the light of the world. Well, we found that out when in and through him everything that was made, and he is the light of the world. We were told that in John. We are told that in the beginning at the creation. He is everything, his way. Your way is wrong. His way is perfect. Quit trying to plug God into your agenda. Surrender and let God lead you. You'll see a whole different life. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I am the gate. John 10, 9. Why is that important? He says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11. Young people, shepherds were young. In that day and age, and in, uh, a shepherd was uh, considered a, a horrible trade, if you will. 
but they were almost always young. And in the Western region, they led or they uh, drove the sheep. And there was always a under shepherd at the gate. And the under shepherd on the Western region didn't particularly like their job or didn't care. They could have cared less what happened to the sheep. They, they weren't a great overseer. They didn't care if a wolf came in or if something came into the sheep to hurt the sheep. But in the Eastern region, the sheep knew the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd led them. And they would have different calls. The under shepherd at the gate helped overlook, helped protect, helped to lead them into the right pastures where they're going. He says, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. We have an under shepherd. We have a young pastor. Christ is our shepherd. He's the ultimate one. He's the head of the body. But he's entrusted us to an under-shepherd. We've heard it, the boldness. I've served in some great ministries. I've served alongside of some unbelievable men. I fully believe I'm the most blessed man on the planet that I get to be called to serve here alongside of the most bold preaching I've ever heard. And he's 29 years old. He's our under-shepherd. Every good shepherd needs a staff. My son found this on the property we're living on, and he loved it. And I asked him for it. He didn't want to really give it to me. He was reluctant, but he sacrificed. He worked a few minutes on uh, sanding it down. And then I put some stain on it. I wanted it to look authentic. And then I put polyurethane on it. And I know it's kind of cheesy, Pastor, but I want my, I want my pastor to have a staff. Because, see, the Prince of Preachers, Adrian Rogers, was known as an unbelievable shepherd and an unbelievable under-shepherd in the ministry that he led. And he was found faithful. And there's no doubt he heard, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well, his uh, service, his graduation, his uh, celebration of life at his casket, they had an eight-foot staff leaning against his casket. And I, I, I just believe that every shepherd needs to have a staff. Pastor, I want you to have this. You've proclaimed with boldness how you're looking out for the uh, protection of this flock. I want you to know you can whip me over the head with it and anybody in my family, any so time you need to pull us into shape, okay? But I want you to have that. And I appreciate you and love you very much. The gate, the shepherd. The only way you can get, get to where you're going is through the cross. 
You gotta come to the cross. You gotta lay it all down. You gotta say, I'm sorry, I got to be forgiven. I've been unclean. I have been so bad. You have to go through the cross in order to get to the eternity that you were created for. Time exists for now, but you were created for eternity. You were created for something far greater. He touched you. He formed you. He shaped you for something greater than now. The greater is for all of eternity that we get to worship. We had unbelievable worship so far, the worship of the preaching and the teaching of the word. He came alive so that we can experience him to the full. John 10, 10 says, I have come that you can have it to the full, that you can have it in abundance. Folks, if you follow him, if you let the shepherd lead you, if you hear him calling you, answer and come to the cross and say, I'm sorry, I need forgiveness. And he cried out from the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do as they were playing games at the foot of the cross and they were gambling for his robes. That's the love of a master. That's the love that we have. That's the love of a creator that said, let us make man in our image. Quit making him out to be the God in your image. He made us for something unique, something special that only he can do. I've told pastor all along, you can't write this script. No one thought I would leave Florida It's the greatest thing ever to experience what he's doing. He comes on and there's so much to share and so much to do and there's so little time. But he confuses the thoughts of man. He tells us that in his word. But the one thing I want you to understand and see is in Revelation. We started in the beginning and we're going to end at the end. And he says, the spirit and the bride say, come. But if you back up, into verse 22, he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Please follow me. He says, I will give to each one what they've done. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through what the gates He's the shepherd. He's in guard of the gate. He's not asleep at the gate like the western side. He is alive and he is well and he's ready to usher us through for all of eternity. And he says, Father, I, as I sit beside you, they're okay. They're with me. They've been washed with the blood. And he says, blessed are those who are who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life, may go through the gates of the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magical arts and sexual immorality and murderers and adulterers and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride said, come and let one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift 
of the water of light. It's free. And we choose to just throw it away. We choose to use this as an ornament instead of opening it up and entrusting that it's alive and it's a breathing. And every time you come across the word, word in it, circle it. Because it's alive and it transforms and it changes your heart. And you go through the cross and you enter into all of eternity with the master. Now, young people, old people, you're here. And it's for a reason. Travis, watch this 11-year-old as he takes you through the book of the Bible. If that doesn't wet your wood, you're, you're, you're dead. The way, the truth, and the life, no one comes unto the Father but by me. The interesting thing about the creation. He spoke the fish into being. If you take the fish out of the water, they die. He spoke the plants and trees into being. If you take the plants out of the ground, they die. But you he touched, you he formed, you he breathed the breath of life in. If you don't follow him, you die. You follow Jesus Christ. You have life forever. And you know how I know this all to be true? Folks, it's so simple. We make it so hard. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Would you stand and sing that with us? Thank you.